0: Good morning, and welcome to Queen Anne Lutheran Church proclaiming the love of God in Christ for every person The sixth Sunday after Epiphany. This morning we are joined by Mary Steele, the director of Compass Housing, who will preach. We are delighted to have her with us, and I invite you after the service to greet her. The Holy Gospel, according to Matthew, the fifth chapter. Glory to Jesus said to the disciples, you have heard that it was said to those in ancient times, you shall not murder, and whoever murders shall be liable to judgment. But I say to you, if you are angry with a brother or sister, you will be liable to judgment. And if you insult a brother or sister, you will be liable to the council. And if you say, you fool, you will be liable to the hell of fire. So when you are offering your gift at the altar, if you remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother or sister and then come and offer your gift. Come to terms quickly with your accuser while you're on the way to court with him. Or your accuser may hand you over to the judge and the judge to the guard and you will be thrown into prison. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one of your members than for your whole body to go to hell. It was also said, Whoever divorces his wife, let him give her a certificate of divorce. But I say to you that anyone who divorces his wife, except on the grounds of unchastity, causes her to commit adultery, and whoever marries a divorced woman commits adultery. Again, you have, heard it. you have heard that it was said to those of ancient times, you shall not swear falsely, but carry out the vows you have made to the Lord. But I say to you, do not swear at all, either by heaven, for it is the throne of God, or by the earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not swear by your head, for you cannot make one hair white or black, let your word be yes, yes, or no, no. Anything more than this comes from the evil one, the gospel of the Lord. Praise Good morning. I bring greetings to you from your neighbors at Bethany Presbyterian just over the way. They're worshiping at this same time. I'm going to date myself a little bit uh, and tell you about when I first came to Seattle. I moved here to work at a, at a large law firm downtown, and uh, when I started, my desk was pretty empty. There was no computer on it because I'm dating myself. <laughs> I had a telephone. It was not rotary, so I'm not dating myself that much. <laughs> And I had my, uh, my calendar and an inbox, but mostly I had my phone because that's how we did most of our work back then. And I remember very shortly after I started at the firm, I was sitting at my desk and I was looking at that phone and I was staring at it because I knew I had to call a client for the very first time and give legal advice. The problem is that they really don't teach you how to do that in law school. And so I remember staring at that phone and thinking, I am a fraud. I'm a fraud. I have no idea what I'm doing. I'm going to be calling this person and pretending to be a lawyer. When I read the scripture today, I have some of the same thoughts. If I say that I can do what the Scripture today is calling me to do, I am a fraud. Today's passage comes from the Sermon on the Mount. Specifically, it comes from a section of the sermon that commentators refer to as God's ethics or kingdom morality. Before the passage, Jesus has just told his followers that he has not come to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. And then he proceeds to tell them exactly what he means when he talks about righteousness in the kingdom of God. I'm going to ask you to indulge me a little bit because the section of scripture that we read today actually continues on. uh, And I want to talk about the entirety of the scripture rather than sticking completely to the lectionary this morning. There are six sections in this this part of Scripture. And in each of those six sections, they start with, you have heard it said. You have heard it said. And what it appears that Jesus is describing here is the law as it has been interpreted by the oral tradition, as it's been molded and loosened by teachers to make it easier to follow. Jesus is saying, that's not what I'm here for. And so when he says, you've heard it said that you you shall not commit murder and that murder brings with it judgment, what he tells us is no, anger brings with it judgment. It's not just murder. And therefore, you are to be reconciled with anyone who has someone against you before you come to pray. You're to settle your disputes before you go to the law and let me put a little modern spin on it, that person who has just been uh, tailgating you on I-5, well, after you uh, move over and let them by, when they need to get back in because the left lane has closed, you need to do it and without any gestures even. In God's kingdom, looking at someone in lust is the same as committing adultery. I can see some of you out there probably remember when Jimmy Carter gave his famous uh, interview with Playboy magazine and talked about looking with women at lust in, with lust in his heart and how that was adultery. The world laughed at him, but that's what Jesus is telling us: is the ethics of the kingdom. In place of divorcing with a mere certificate, Jesus preaches commitment. And instead of calling his followers to simply avoid false oaths, Jesus said, avoid all oaths. Just tell the truth in all circumstances. That's certainly not what the world is telling us today. The world is telling us, by falsehood, you can get ahead. Jesus is telling us, tell the truth. And if we go beyond the passage that we've read, and uh, I'm sure that many of you are familiar with these passages, but Jesus says, it's not an eye for an eye. You are to turn the other cheek. You are to love your neighbor, not just your neighbor, but Jesus preaches that we are to love our enemies. And finally, in verse 48, Jesus, just to add some icing to the cake, he says, be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. So in each of these verses, Jesus is pointing to how the scribes and Pharisees have sought to narrow the law to make the law more more achievable, to allow them to feel more righteous. And Jesus is saying, no, that's not how the kingdom works. That's not how kingdom ethics work. You are to be perfect as my, whole, as, as my heavenly Father is perfect. And my temptation then is to say, I'm a fraud. I can't do this. If I say I'm a follower of Jesus, and if this is what kingdom ethics look like, then I am a fraud. Thankfully, the good news is that Jesus has not left us with this isolated passage of Scripture. And when we read these uh, passages, in the context of the entirety of the Sermon on the Mount and the rest of the New Testament, of course, the purpose of this section is to explain kingdom expectations. But God, thankfully, does not leave us there. After all, In Matthew 5, 6, it doesn't say that we're blessed when we're righteous. It says that we are blessed when we hunger and thirst after righteousness. And I'm going to suggest that that is the way we are to read the call that today's scripture places on us. Let me give you another example. Uh, I idolized my father when I was growing up. And I think many of us uh, have had the experience of Either having our parents come to watch us play sports or having us go to watch our kids play, standing on the sidelines in the pouring rain, of course, here in Seattle. We've had that experience. We know what it's like. My earliest recollection of uh, my father is watching him play sports. And so by watching him, I developed this desire to be an athlete, well, you saw me walk across. I don't really look like an athlete. I'm I'm small. At that point in time, I was actually a very tiny person growing up. But I wanted to be like my father, and so I spent hours upon hours. I would come home after school, and my brother and I would go play catch, and I would actually read uh, all these strategies of how to how to be a better athlete. And I wasn't very good, but I worked at it, and I worked at it. And why did I do this? Because I wanted to be like my dad. I wanted to be like my father. To me, he was the, what perfection looked like. Now, when I made that phone call back uh, when I first started practicing law, I, I don't know if you've ever heard the term, fake it till you make it. Um, I was doing that. Um, and it wasn't the first time that I felt like a fraud, and it wasn't the last time that I felt like a fraud. But over the course of time, by we call it practicing law, we got better, and you, we uh, and I learned how to um, feel like I was actually doing what I was saying that I was doing and i think that's the way we need to look at this text as it says in romans in 8:29 our journey as christians is a journey to become conformed to the image of christ and so our journey as christians is to work toward that conformity so what does that look like in practice well My two-year sermon series will start next week, (laughs) where we look at the way that we become, uh, the way that we take that journey of discipleship. It's, it's, of course, it's a lifelong journey. But when we look at today's text, I think we get some good uh, pointers, some good direction on what that journey can look like what it looks like to be perfect, as our Heavenly Father is perfect. Because you see, every single one of those six, you have heard it says, sections, every single one of them points toward our relationship with other people. And so, where it talks about anger, we need to replace anger with forgiveness. Where it talks about desire that is, unseemly, we need to replace that with respect. Where it talks about revenge, we need to replace that with love. And if we were growing in all of these things in relationship with others, that's when we are on the right path. Now, uh, when you're learning how to do sermons, they tell you, don't don't take a veer right at the end, but I'm going to do that anyway. Uh, because I want to step back and talk a little bit about what these verses mean in the context of someone like me who's worked with our neighbors who are on the streets for the past 10 years. I started at uh, New Horizons, and you're going to hear from uh, the, the new director there soon, and he'll tell you stories about New Horizons. And now I'm at Compass Housing, which I learned a while back, started as the Lutheran sailors and Servers and Sailors and Loggers mission, which is terrific. On the streets, shame is a constant companion. These are folks who have been rejected by everyone in their lives. And there are a number of great organizations out there who are working with folks on the streets, but there's a critical need for organizations like New Horizons, like Compass, where people can hear that there's an answer for their shame that there is good news. And let me give you one example of that. Uh, the, the chaplain at New Horizons was out uh, doing street outreach one day, and he came across a young woman who, whom he knew. Uh, he'd had uh, conversations with her before, and he knew that she was deeply involved in addiction and that she had a, a child whom she'd had to give up. And this young woman asked him for socks. Socks are critical for people on the streets. If you've walked around at all in Seattle and had your socks get wet, you know how uncomfortable it is. Well, think about having that be your state of being for several days. Uh, You can actually, we would serve folks who had trench foot. We often see that, which is is not something that most of us will ever have to deal with. So this young woman asked him for socks, and he had already given out his last pair. And instead of saying to her, I'm sorry, I don't have any socks, he sat down next to her on the sidewalk. He pulled off his own socks, and he gave them to her. And later this young woman told me that this was the beginning of her journey toward God. Because someone cared enough about her to give his own socks to her, she realized, She needed to care about herself. She needed to realize that she had worth. So thanks be to God that there was room in the kingdom for all who hunger and thirst after righteousness, no matter where we are in the journey. Amen.